Welcome, everybody, to another episode of Moscow Mules and Knobslides. I'm one of your hosts, Kyle. Hi, and I'm David. And our special guest of the week, our second transatlantic guest, uh, is uh, Nick. Nick, how you doing? Hey, everyone. Thanks for having me, Kyle. Good to meet you, David. Oh, yeah, this is delightful. Another transatlantic. Yeah, so everybody, time you'll hear in this one, we, uh, Nick will be the first one from... Nick's a lot further than uh, where Dan's from. Uh, Nick, you're coming all the way from over there in Russia at the moment, right? Yeah. I mean, you're, you're on the way out. At the moment, soon, right? yeah, yeah. Yeah, I've lived here for the last uh, seven years almost. And, uh, but I'm from Nova Scotia originally. That's and right. uh, yeah, on Saturday, I'll, I'll move again. So the Moscow dream is over. Wait, really? It's all over? You're, you're getting out of there? It's it's all over. Yeah, I got my passport. But no, I'm just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> I got my passport. Yeah, yeah. Hold no, on to that it, tight. It's, it's it could get over. revoked in a second. Yeah, there you go. Saturday's a long ways away, boys. <laughs> oh, man. Are you for real getting out? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So uh, we uh, we opened up our... Uh, so I work for, for Group IB. And I, uh, we opened up the, the first global headquarters in Singapore a year and a half ago. And uh, then we opened up the, the second one in Amsterdam not too long ago. And my CEO said, Nick, we have two global headquarters. You choose one of them, but you're not living here anymore. So goodbye. <laughs> <laughs> oh, no. Oh, man. Yeah, yeah. So which, um, which one did you pick? uh which one do you think i chose <laughs> <laughs> no i'm just kidding I, cho- I chose amsterdam it's a little bit closer to to canada yeah that's why course. i figured yeah yeah closer to canada and also close for my wife and her family so singapore also seems it's just kind of like remote i don't know if that's just my like wrong interpretation of what's going on there but like it's singapore does not seem close to anything uh, not, I mean, if, it's, not if you're from the North American. It, it, yeah, I guess, yeah, I guess yeah. that's what I meant. That's, <laughs> yeah. I, mean, I mean, I, to get to Japan, <laughs> no, to get all the way, yeah, to Japan was 18 hours. And then when I went to Malaysia, it was like another eight. That's the craziest part. You get to Japan and you're like, okay, I'm in East, like Asia. Like I'm like, everything's close. This is the ignorant American point of view. And then you're like, okay, like how long does it take to get from like Japan to Malaysia? And it's like eight hours. You're like, wait, what? Time out. Yeah. Eight hours. I thought they were neighbors. <laughs> yeah, exactly. No, it's a, it's a good spot though. It's um, I would say a little hot for my liking as an East Coast Canadian kid. Like okay, uh, so. you don't even have to look at the weather there. It's just thirty degrees and super humid every day. So you know you you try to wear a suit to, to work. I don't like to wear a suit. Is that Celsius suit, but... also? That's yeah, that's Celsius. Uh, yeah, Celsius. <laughs> Sorry. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Remember, we're yeah. the, we're the ones that don't use the right units here. So you're gonna have to. Yeah. Guide Sorry us. About that voice. Yeah. Uh, it's hot. Like a hundred. <laughs> yeah, it's hot. <laughs> it's like, hot. On the hot scale, you're you're sweating badly. So I have a question. Since you're from Canada and you're talking about like hot weather, I I always wondered like, uh, is there like a like a south spot of Canada that you go to vacation? Like, is there like a nice warm place that anybody goes, I or you just try to get out of there? Would say, <laughs> yeah, you're you're gonna go to like the Caribbean probably. You know. Okay. Uh, and Dominican stuff. That's that's the hot getaway. <laughs> there's. But you there's don't stay in like. Nice yeah, you don't stay in Canada, though, right? No, no, no. I've I've lived in Russia for seven years now. Yeah. I was I was thinking about that once, and I don't know why. I was like, oh, if you're I'm like if you're in Minnesota, if you're in the states, and like one of these north spots, like you're in Pennsylvania here, we can go to Florida and stay in the same country, and it's super yeah. hot down there for us. But if you're you in Canada, really lucky. You, know, yeah. <laughs> you can't stay in the country. <laughs> yeah, oh, you guys yeah. are really lucky in the top of the so list. Much. I. <laughs> You guys Lord. have a lot of diversity in in the states. You're you're very lucky. Lord of man. 
well that but like you know where you are in europe now it's like you go four hours though and you can be like three languages later right like that's (laughs) advantage disadvantage i don't know how you're looking at it but yeah yeah it's it's cool lots of diversity in in europe as well i'm looking forward to that a lot like just to be able to hop on a train and like you know go away for the weekend and another you know another country and another culture and everything so should be cool my wife and I did that. Went to Amsterdam and spoke at the first TC in 2016. And I, we loved Amsterdam. The Dutch are like the friendliest people I have ever met in my entire life. Yeah, I mean, yeah, that's so what nice. attracted me to 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 Dutch uh, to the Netherlands as well as the the Dutch people. Um, very direct, like in a lot of ways similar to to Russian mentality. Like very direct. They're gonna tell you what's on their mind, all that kind of stuff. You know, but nicer. So, I, I like it. <laughs> what's that? But nicer, and you don't go to the gulag. I don't know. <laughs> Siberia. <laughs> so where where are you in Russia? Like, is it what's what kind of like weather do you have there? I don't know. Uh, so it is probably minus two ish, maybe today. Snow snow outside. Um, I'm in the center center of Moscow. Um, if you know it at all, it's built of like different rings. I know uh, Kyle knows it a little bit. Yeah. <laughs> uh, Might have been just there. Out- uh, maybe cannot confirm or deny yeah. uh, just outside of the the first ring there's like three highways like the yeah. center highway the the golden mm-hmm. ring Soldovaya and then uh, we're just outside that one yeah so do you have like you're not you're not in the Siberian region you're not you know stationed no. In and, <laughs> no, okay. no 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 when I when I talk about Russia there's like uh moscow and uh, everywhere else <laughs> so it's almost it, <laughs> yeah I, I think if you travel outside of the three rings it, it's like very good in the center <laughs> next one's kind of danger zone third one yeah you're getting a little worrisome and fourth one i don't go out of there very often so <laughs> i always imagine um russia is kind of like uh for a star wars reference like the planet hoth i always think it's just like this big ice ball you know there's <laughs> everyone looks like super cold all the time <laughs> it's probably like it's probably the winter equivalent yeah i mean it's nice right now here we got you know warm weather still I mean, it's temperature i mean it's yeah we're we're uh whatever what in the 30s fahrenheit so whatever that is okay yeah a little chilly a little chilly as we would say around in here. canadian language yeah right. <laughs> it's still it's still uh polo weather right yeah it's short still sleeves. shorts shorts and sandals for canadians right short, that, that short denim <laughs> well nick you're sipping on something uh what, what do you what do you uh you just put back there oh as he squints <laughs> I, I had to represent for you guys, but you said that it's not a normality for anyone to drink uh, vodka on the show. But I had to represent and drink some beluga. Beluga, is that local? Uh, I believe so. Yeah, it's usually the go-to gift that I get people. Uh, I don't tell my bosses, but it's <laughs> it's, it's actually a Christmas gift for clients. <laughs> <laughs> but it's super difficult to ship at the moment, as you can imagine. Hmm, sure. <laughs> yeah. Isn't that a whale? The only the, I, I have the uh, I have one bottle I saved from over there, and the uh, one other one I remember drinking when I was over there was the one that had the wolf logo, like Estroff or something like that, or Estroff. I don't know. Not a super connoisseur, but really good. Uh, really good. Well, I mean, the stereotypes are true. It's uh, <laughs> it's cheap, and uh, they have a lot of it, yeah. and then variations too. Some of it's actually real tasty. Uh, my old man, uh, he likes his alcohols, and uh, yeah, enjoys bringing back a few bottles when he comes to visit and vice versa 
It's gonna be a little bit of a different experience when you get to the Netherlands, right? You're gonna have to switch your taste up, maybe. I don't know if they're gonna have that much vodka there. Yeah, I don't. I don't know what I'll do there. You, go, you didn't go drink scouting yet? See what they got. <laughs> Heineken. I Heineken. I, yeah. I actually I stopped Heineken. drinking for for a long time since I, we went into lockdown. And uh, as soon as Kyle told me that I'm gonna come on to the podcast, I was like, oh, better get my liver. Uh -huh. so, yeah. What's Russian lockdown like? Um. I would say the first lockdown was quite um, significant. Like they had QR codes to leave the house, you know, like, and, and uh, actually in, in the city proper, like in, in Moscow metropolitan, they have incredibly advanced like video surveillance and CCTV, um, you know, so if you're leaving your house, they're going to know about it. Oh, um, so like the tra track and trace, uh, you know, it works there. <laughs> um, you know, if, if you get, you know, diagnosed positive and, uh, and uh, you basically have to download an app. Thank God I didn't. I'll just get a new phone afterwards. And then, uh, <laughs> and, and then literally you have to take a few selfies a few times a day whenever they request it, like within an hour to make sure you're staying at home and then they'll track you on CCTVs as well. But uh, the first lockdown, they did really well, actually. They, uh, they stayed home for probably like maybe a good six to eight weeks, um, you know, shut everything down and were really diligent about it, especially the over 65ers. Um, but then it slowly started to loosen up a little bit and, and then kind of, it went, and went off the rails and now we're, we're actually going into this second wave. So we're approaching like 9,000 uh, a day of infected uh, people, which, you know, in Moscow, there's about 20 million unofficially. Um, so it's definitely, definitely on the rise. Um, no lockdown right now. Um, just like making you wear masks and stuff in the, the Metro and gloves. And if you don't, they'll fine you and stuff like that. Uh, I don't really know what's what's going on. I'm going to leave on Saturday. So I was going to say, have, like, is, is it going to be hard for you to leave? Are you, are, uh, it, yeah, I, I don't know. My flight's been canceled a few a few times. <laughs> and uh, well, we'll see what happens on Saturday. I, I hope for the best. My buddy's wife went uh, yesterday. So hopefully everything's okay. You don't have, like, a moving truck or anything that you have to get out of the country, right? You're just going like, uh, to leave all your shit it. behind? Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah, we already sent it. They, uh, there's, like, um, like, 13 of us working in Amsterdam now. And we already hired a, a bunch of guys. So we, we got one guy moving from Canada that Kyle knows. And yeah, uh, yeah so people That's coming cool. from all around. I mean, it's a clutch spot. If I wasn't settled here in the States, I would have considered it. Netherlands would have been pretty dope. You never told me you were looking. <laughs> well, I mean, I just I just knew I couldn't leave. I couldn't leave. Like, the, like, I can't leave the States. Like, I That's just can't leave another country. Like, uh, with dogs, Why? I'm not shipping. Like, uh, well, for me, it comes down <laughs> to my dogs, right? I'm not shipping my dogs in a crate on the airplane, right? Like... I, I guess they can live in another country though, man. They're, they're dogs. Oh, they're sure. resilient. Yeah. What about your chickens? Yeah. Could your chickens live there? Yeah, those, those we can give them. Send them over to your house. I don't want your damn chickens, man. Yeah, you're getting the chickens. But uh, Dave, what are you sipping on? All right. So I have a, <coughs> I have a little bit of a story first and, you know, hopefully there's a good payoff here, but uh, we're a little early in the day here. Like I think we talked about that. And uh, I, I didn't really want to get into anything like too heavy. So, or, you know, I don't want to drink a lot. So I, I no, went. No vodka, uh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. So it's no vodka, right? So I went to my fridge and I'm like, I'm going to go get a stout and I'm going to go like let it warm up a little bit. And I'm just going to sip on this nice little stout here midday and, and enjoy myself, not, not chug any beers like I usually do. And uh, I go to my fridge. So basically, uh, my, my basement's being remodeled right now. So my beer fridge is kind of almost inaccessible, but the cabinet that I store all of my like nice stouts in, like I'm, I'm aged, I have like a lot of barrel aged stuff that's just sitting on a cabinet and I can't reach it right now. So I open my fridge up and I'm like rooting around for any sort of like a stout. 
anything that I can find that has like that nice quality. And I'm looking and uh, I don't find anything. Like I'm pushing stuff aside. And all of a sudden I get one, I get, I get a hit on one thing. I'm like, oh, this is going to be a, this is going to be a nice stout. And I'm going to take it upstairs and I put it in the, in the upstairs fridge and I'm just kind of waiting. I'm like checking my work email. Then all of a sudden I think, oh no, oh no, I'm like an inherent asshole. I, I think I picked like, I picked the wrong drink here because uh, <laughs> this this might this might come across as like racist or something. I don't know. I don't know Nick. I, I've never met him before. Uh, the beer that I ended up grabbing like subconsciously is called a uh, White Russian Nitro. <laughs> and so I didn't know. I'm sorry. I'm really sounds sorry. Heavy. It so- sounds heavy enough. Man. It's uh, yeah, <laughs> but you know I didn't I didn't want to you know offend you as a, a no, white no. person living in Russia. <laughs> Very sorry. Anyway. No, 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 <laughs> You're good, man. You're good. Left Hand Brewing Company, uh, Longmont, Colorado. It's an eight, uh, almost nine percent uh, drink. So we're gonna let that warm up. Tune it up a little bit. Uh, right? Yeah, it's on nitro, so it's gonna pour real nice, I think. Anyway, sorry for that long story to tell you that I'm no, not no, an it's... asshole. It's really, <laughs> really what sorry. I wanted to get to here. Very politically correct of you. Yeah, sorry. Look at this one. And even this was Kyle. This was your Christmas gift before I uh, opened it. <laughs> oh, that's, that's okay. You could you could send it next year. Okay. Oh, uh, look at this shit yeah. fall down. So this is on nitro. I've only had. Oh, look at that. That's pretty oh, nice. It's gonna. The last one. Nice. The last one I've seen on nitro that I had recently was the um, creme brulee from Southern Tier. They put their nitro in a can. Besides, like in a Guinness in a can, right? Yeah, right. So Guinness, the, like the one that else. I can think of that, that um, I'm super familiar with is Boddington. Like they, their stuff's all like ship nitro, that pub ale from uh, England. And my dad like loves that. So it, you can just open it up and dump it, and it just kind of it, it cream. It puts this nice old cream uh, foam head on it, and it just settles real nice. You can't overpour it. Um, yeah. So, so glad I drank beer again. Oh yeah! Welcome back. Yeah, man. <laughs> That's so good. So what's the glass today? What is uh, we went know? with uh, Ken, uh, the answer, um, Street Fighter Two Ken glass. I think I did a Ryu recently. So this is the recommended glass, actually, which is kind of cool about this can is that they they tell you you're good to go from the can, or you can glass it like a pro, and it gives you the the glass recommendation. And I happen to have you know a bunch of glasses that are that shape. I think they're you guys are glasses not, are not so. messing around. I see. No, this is serious no. business, man. This is serious serious podcast in the red business. <laughs> all right over over to you mr kyle i also did I mean, you said stout and i've been having the stouts too lately but i, I bought this last night because we have this weird like our state governor is shutting down like tomorrow night at like 5 p.m or something to like the next morning so no one goes out wednesday night like but you can't buy alcohol anywhere and stuff like that i think mm-hmm. i don't know no drunks giving is basically what's happening we're having yeah. drunks giving free so I, I i wanted to make sure i grab a bunch of stuff you know uh, but this one was uh, from New Holland, and I, it's the first time. This is the first time I've come across another white barrel aged stout since uh, Center of the Universe, which is based out of Richmond's Shut Up beer. But this one's yeah. Was uh, it called Shut Up? Or are you talking to yourself? Like no, it's called Shut Up. <laughs> okay, it's so great because when we were at the bar one time, I was with Jesse. Shout out to Jesse if he listens to the podcast. He uh, he was the one who gave me the can. I think we were somewhere else the first time, or maybe he was telling me stories. Like he loves like when they have it in tap down in like you know northern Virginia, and he just you know, mm-hmm. hey, can I get another shut up? You know, <laughs> he'd be the guy that'd be yelling about that too. I can, yeah. I can totally see that. It was so. This is a nice uh, barrel aged like, but a white stout, which is mm-hmm. uh, also nice. Well, cheers, Probably guys. Nice, nice to meet you, Kyle. Good to see you again. As oh, always. Cheers. cheers. Yeah, man. It's been a while. Cheers. I know. Would would you have gone to uh, 
Well, real quick, my glass is a poor character, a nice biggie glass. And on the other side, it's nice. sicker, sicker than the average. That is dope. Very cool. Yeah, I would have went to what? Uh, countermeasures this year. Countermeasures. Huh? Absolutely. I was flying on it too. Yeah, it's always always a great time. Yeah, it's yeah, unfortunate I mean, that uh, I always look forward to it every year. Um, but yeah, good, and that's good full circle. Get it back to Canada. So right, and that's full circle how Nick and I met in like I think 2018 or whatever. I think you were speaking and I was speaking. We met like the speaker party or something. So yeah, I've known Nick yeah. in a couple of years now. The speaker party. Oh yeah, they, they throw a great like dinner before the day of, and like just oh yeah, they pay for all our drinks, and we just. <laughs> Uh, countermeasures i think throws one of the best speaker like uh trainer party you know pre-conference and then um like the last day of party is pretty nice too <laughs> yeah they're 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 very good hosts yeah they yeah. Uh, they took excellent care of us yeah, each year each year hopefully it's in person next year with the uh, uh, good old it's one of the only ones i like to go to <laughs> yeah yeah it's a lot of fun for sure so we I, we kind of touched on you came you threw out a list and I, I had a, a bunch of what you threw out to talk about was also like what I was going to ask you about anyways, but I think it's a cool story to talk about how you ended up at from, you know, Eastern shore Canadian guy at, at a <laughs> Russian based company in Moscow. Yeah, that, that was a, that was a crazy story for sure. Um, so, I mean, I'm like what, 27 at that point in time. And uh, I got I got married uh, to a Russian woman. That's probably the short story. But since since we're on the podcast, I'll I'll tell the long story. So um, after we got married, uh, we were going to come back to, to Canada. But quite frankly, she thought it was boring. Um, <laughs> and imagine why doesn't yeah. like curling and hockey, huh? No. <laughs> She's Russian, so she has to like hockey, or they take her passport, right? So. Oh, oh, yes. Yes. <laughs> Uh, so yeah, after that, I, uh, you know, I just put my resume on uh, some job search site in Russia and, and I got a job like, uh, I, I was in the IT sector before, but in telecommunications and, uh, I got a job like teaching English, but it was like equivalent or more to what I used to make in Canada. So I'm like, okay, um, you know, I can go there on, you know, cause you have to have a visa or you used to have to have a visa to go to Russia. It's pretty heavily regulated now, mm -hmm. not some a little bit easier to get in and in and out and stuff. And uh, I'm like, okay, you know, that really good money, you know? So I was like, whatever, I'll just sell everything I own. So I sold my house, sold my car and, uh, and moved to, to Russia. I couldn't even say Privyet, which is hello in uh, like colloquial uh, words and uh, like no knowledge of Russia whatsoever. I remember flying into to Russia and like looking at all of the tiny little spruce trees, um, you know, that probably lots of the people listening to the podcast would recognize from satellite imagery. And, uh, <laughs> you know, I think thinking to myself, like as we fly into Moscow, Domodedovo, like looking at all of the shanty Khrushchevka buildings, which are like the buildings that they built in like high speed to house people that didn't have housing you know back in the 80s and stuff like that and i'm like what the fuck did i do uh -huh. <laughs> and uh yeah so I, I got there and my my plan was just to like leave the teaching thing as soon as i got here and uh turns out that my visa is like tied to my work and stuff so that was a little trickier than i imagined so <laughs> i started to uh you know make a list of all of the technology companies because in, in russia they have you know, really, really good programmers. Um, it's cheap 
compared to other countries. So there's a lot of like really cool startups um, in the technology space. You know, I wasn't super into the security space at that time. Um, so I just made a list of all these cool technology companies. And the, the downfall about, you know, Russian technology companies is they have no fucking clue how to market themselves outside of, outside of Russia, right? If they want to take themselves internationally, you know, it's the usual story. You meet every Russian startup and they're like, yeah, we're an international company. We sell to like fucking Kazakhstan and, you know, like all these former uh, Russian <laughs> places. And uh, I'm like, okay, whatever. And uh, so I started calling all of these companies as a potential customer and just to get like their overall reaction and how they would treat, you know, a foreigner from, from Canada pretending to, to be interested in their technology and just see how they reacted. Um, and then I made a, a list of like the cool companies that I liked and the ones that maybe didn't do such a good job, but I could tell were interested in trying to uh -huh. position themselves outside of Russia. Um, and then I just started to call the CEOs of those companies um, and uh, just like tell them my experience. Like, you so know, basically you're, you're out there, you're out there pen testing the companies before you even bother to like submit a <laughs> resume or anything. Is that what's going on? <laughs> yeah, for sure. Cause like I, I submitted a few. But that's hustle right there. Like that, Nick just defined what like that's hustling good. is. It's good thinking too. Like to just be like, I don't know shit about anything. So let's try to figure yeah. it out. Right. Absolutely. That's pretty yeah. cool. So I, I just called the CEOs and uh, told them my experience. And that's how I found uh, group ID. And like when I found them, they like had one customer internationally, you know, like pretty like Russian cybersecurity outfit, but something was special there, man. Like the way that they, you know, investigated uh, cyber criminals, especially financially motivated ones. And uh, like the skills that they had in all areas of like CTI malware reverse engineering and incident response, like, I quickly learned that they had something really special. And uh, yeah, now it's uh, not not a Russian company, that's for sure. Um, you know, certainly have Russian roots and always will, but, you know, certainly benefit from to some extent. And uh, yeah, now uh, Amsterdam and Singapore and maybe in the in the future, we'll have something in the States, who knows? So it's, it's grown up quite quite a bit. And uh, to, to the hustle point, man, like, Russia has ingrained in me like how to make a dollar, you know, like no one's going to give you shit. If you want something, you got to go out there and you got to make it happen and uh, you got to hustle for it. And, you know, don't expect any, anybody to give you anything ever. Um, just go out there and get it. So I'm thankful for that for sure. So as, as a company that has, I don't know, that is based in Russia and you said that they do a lot of, you know, um, I guess cyber criminal investigations. Do you find that they go after the the Russian like APTs or cyber criminals? Because like I over here, I don't know if it's if it's the same perception everywhere, but like to me, ransomware is basically like a, a seventy five percent Russian game. There's so much out there that's that's attributed to Russian criminal activity. Like I, I guess what I'm saying is like, are, you, uh, they're not corrupt, right? So that's we're, we're guess we're gonna start there. <laughs> well, I, I I don't know if I would go so far as to to make that blank statement. But, uh, you know, <laughs> I, 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 think... I didn't mean it in like a bad way. <laughs> no, no, no. I meant it like exactly how it sounded. Like okay. uh, you know, corruption certainly happens in in some places, right? Um, you know, I think there's certainly unwritten rules amongst the cyber criminal community, right? Like and it's don't piss in your own backyard. Mm -hmm. um, you know, a lot of the, the good tools and the, the good, um, you know, ransomware tool sets and, you know, other tool sets, they're, they're usually created and crafted, um, you know, by Russian speaking, speaking actors, not necessarily located in Russia. Oh, right. Yeah. Um, okay. And, um, you know, I, I think 
there's probably an unwritten rule that, you know, as long as they don't play around in their own backyard, they, you know, are a little bit hard to get, but, you know, I think that's part of the attraction to me is being able to work with international law enforcement and, you know, continuously, continuously provide them information. And then, you know, when these guys are going to go on vacation, they're fucked. <laughs> that's a really good answer. I didn't, like I said, I, I didn't mean it to be like, I don't know, uh, an indictment of like you working for like a, a shady ass company. I just, you know, just kind of like the, what, no, no. what's their feel good. for like their own country like do they do they go after that sort of thing so yeah. i think that's what's really that's really cool really cool about group ib like they at their core you know are interested to investigate and attribute cyber crime mm -hmm. and if you're a cyber criminal they're going to investigate it re regardless um and provide it to the necessary authorities in the right way right because there's a right way to to provide that information via different channels right like yep. you know we provide it to europol or interpol depending on the situation or maybe uh, through a immediate intermediary in the States, like NCFTA or something like that. Um, and ultimately, and eventually, you know, disruption will happen of, of the, that cyber crime and cyber criminals. But, you know, to, to your point, there's those unwritten rules that, you know, as long as they're not playing around in their own backyard, you know, unfortunately, um, you know, due to the geopolitical frictions and things like that, you know, and, and I think that's a, a real problem and something that can ultimately be overcome with, open lines of communication and collaboration it's kind of a cliche to say all that but you know even in difficult times if there is collaboration um you know disruption will happen of, of cybercrime so i mean you still find that like i mean there's there's definitely companies in the u.s that work with you know um the government right like there's there's got to be some sort of you know handshake agreement in the back room it, it almost feels like the same way like it's it's not it doesn't feel like it's as organized i guess as it would be here but like you know it's the same sort of thing like you leave us alone we'll leave you alone and then if we need to work together we will one of those sorts of things yeah maybe maybe uh, i don't know all about that we just research the allegedly crime as it, as it happens right so yeah so so what's we, your role we, we over there i'm sorry thing or two no worries no worries um <laughs> Yeah, so my role, uh, I wear many different hats. Um, officially, I'm uh, the sales leader at, at Group IB, so I manage a team of, of knuckleheads um, <laughs> who, are, who are actually pretty good consultants. Like, um, you know, I force all of my guys to speak like pre-sales people, like to understand all of our technology to a really deep level um, and act as experts to, to people that they're speaking with. Um, you know, that's my official role, but unofficially, like, um, the love for me is to, to collaborate with different law enforcement agencies, you know, uh, build inroads with sharing organizations like FSISAC and uh, DCPCU in the London Police Force and uh, CSA in Singapore. Like, this is what I, I love to do um, and like speak about the, the bad things that uh, cyber criminals are doing to these organizations and ultimately give them the information they need to knock down a few doors. That, that's what's fun to me. And that's what I try to do most of my time rather than, you know, salesy stuff. Yeah, but in, in your, to, to give you a pound, and not that you need one, because, I mean, you're just killing the game anyways. But, like, when I saw Nick's presentation, when you see, like, oh, lead to sales and anything, you're like, oh. Because I've worked with sales guys at FireEye, and I know where they are now. And like, And you're just like, oh, man, another one of these, like, salesy type pitches from a guy who doesn't know anything about his own company's technology and, like, what they're doing. And, like, Nick is not that. <laughs> 
I was I was like when I heard your like I remember I heard your presentation I was like I was super impressed and like what you know and like I mean if that says anything about the rest of your team like obviously that's why you guys have Singapore and Netherlands now right like it's just it's not the you know I've like I said I've worked with sales guys at FireEye and like they would just they just didn't know anything like <laughs> even about the own technology right like it's just like you, you didn't spend twenty minutes to at least read the tech you know sheet like, I don't <laughs> the white the data sheet the white paper yeah, yeah. I mean you know I'd, I'd never slam another sales guys but uh, you know I'm so happy that you know, I worked as an individual for a long time, right? And I had to learn because I was speaking to guys like you and like speaking to reverse engineers, speaking with incident response guys. And, you know, I had to learn everything from zero to where I am now. And, uh, you know, that's cool because now I can actually do something <laughs> yeah. instead of just talking about like, hey, here's your contract and like, let's work on the contract uh, pricing. What I like yeah, that yeah. to be a small part of the conversation. You know, if you're if you're actually producing value and that's kind of a salesy word, but if 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 you're actually, you know, learning what the technical person needs your shit for, you know, it's pretty easy to make a make a sale at the end of the day if you're not a dummy. Have you ever sat back and thought about like how how much of an impact you had personally on Group IB having like come in there with one customer and now you're an international company like in the sense that you're not just working in Kazakhstan? <laughs> uh, yeah, I mean it, it's cool to, to yeah. I was gonna say what, that. what's that feel like? Like you're like oh man, like that my do you, do you feel like you're you're involved? Like you have fingerprints like all over a lot of the growth that the company's had. Um, you know, obviously we're, we're doing this with a whole team. Right. And like, you know, I'm not an analyst by any means. Right. So, you know, I'd never be able to produce the cool things without all of this huge team of analysts. Like there's over now 450 people working at group IB. So like without all of them and how badass they are, no I shit, that be, many, I, I would still be nothing. Right. That's a great yeah, answer I, too. That's how many was answer. it when I, we met in 2018, how many do you have then? Uh, maybe like 280 or something like that. Okay. I would say. Yeah. So it's, it's grown up quite, yeah, it's, a, quite a, quite a bit. It's, it's never, I mean, that's, that's also a really good answer. Like you're, you're popping out some real good stuff. Like you don't ever take credit for, I don't know, team activities and, like, Oh yeah, me, me, me. Right. It's, it's, why, it takes, why it, fucking it, should I? Yeah. Right. Exactly. It, it takes a whole village. And uh, I think that's kind of hard. Like you don't see a lot of humble. I mean, not, not that you don't see it, but like, it doesn't feel like the community sometimes is as humble as it should be as far as no, like sharing, um, sharing, um, I don't know, Credits. data points or credit. Yeah. You, you don't get I mean, a lot the, of that. The government was like that. I remember doing, when I was in the government as a civilian doing performance reviews at the end of the year, you know, writing about what you did the past, you know, nine months, right? Like they wanted you to say me, 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 me. And I did all this stuff. You're like, well, as a humble person, I, I would say like, no, like I was a part of a team of three, but I led the team and like I did this and that and this task. And it was like, yeah, you should have said I here. And it's like, why would I say that? Why would I like, you know, you know, my, yeah. my integrity, you're, so you're telling me to, you know, fuck my integrity because that's what looks good on paper. Like, yeah, obviously sure. that's and why I'm not at the government anymore. Right. Like, Shit like that. <laughs> and uh it was actually really interesting to go through that change right like i, I was an individual performer for a long time but you know you can't scale yourself as much as you'd like to right there's only so many hours in the day so you know eventually when you start to bring in other cool people you know around you and beneath you and you know alongside of you um 
you know, your, your role becomes different. And I used to always like read books and shit, you know, about business and whatnot. And, you know, it all, always says the same stuff, right? Like you want to encourage others and blah, blah, blah. And to be honest, like it was all just words before, but you know, it, it's at some point clicked for me that, you know, seeing other people succeed is actually the way that the company grows faster and, and you grow faster probably. Um, is, to, is to see your guys grow after you've passed on, you know, some cool knowledge to, to them to grow themselves. Um, so I, I actually, you know, I, I still love, you know, making deals and stuff. And, uh, you know, maybe that's why I like to do the law enforcement stuff. I don't know, but I like to kicking down doors and arresting criminals. But uh, yeah, I, I think ultimately that that's cool when you can make other people better um, around you. So that's, that's fun. So you, so you get the re- like the really good like uh, approach because like when you're you're hunting down the big nation states like attribution comes into play. I'm gonna go down the attribution you know, the uh, rabbit hole now. Like and like it's hard as like people in the field and as like an analyst in the field. Like I don't believe you can do attribution until you have so many data points to be able to do it. But I guess when you're like hunting down cyber criminals or sorry, more of the financial criminals, right? And the there, people are more likely to kind of jump on board and help you find like the who behind the keyboard, right? Because it's affecting like maybe multiple, you know, nations when it comes to things. Whereas like when you, you know, extract up to the nation state, everybody's like, ah, oh, we, we're okay with saying it's like this part of some, you know, nation state's government. But here you're actually fine the people kicking down the doors, like shutting down the servers associated with all these people, like, and actually putting a name. So like, I don't know where I was going with that, but try to say like that's, attribution, that's attribution's hard, right? And like, I don't agree with like companies being able to do it, but it's a little, not easier, but more direct and like more a support when I think it's financial based. Would you agree? I guess, would you agree? I would say that, you know, or there's a lot of companies that. out there that do amazing work when it comes to detection and remediation, but you know, I, I think there's going to be that missing link forever unless attribution comes into play. And, you know, whatever governments want to do with that attribution, you know, is that, I'm not in the government space, whatever they want to do, that's, you know, their business. But um, let's speak to the financially motivated stuff, you know, like unless you can actually attribute a real person behind the activity and ultimately disrupt the cyber crime, you know, they're going to continue. And, you know, to do that, requires cross-border collaboration, you know, all those fucking buzzwords, right? And, um, you know, in, unless you're doing that, even in tough times, like now with geopolitical frictions and stuff like that, it's never going to happen. And, uh, you know, uh, I don't want to shout out Group IB, but... Um, they, you can. They, you can. Yeah. They, they, they do a cool job. Like, we're releasing uh, the next kind of evolution of our threat intelligence uh, uh, portal tomorrow. And uh, it's called, uh, we're not a marketing company by any means, but they're going to call it threat intelligence and attribution. And, (laughs) man, if I can show you what they have here, it's incredible. Um, The data points that they're collecting about threat actors from underground, from managers of botnets to, you know, we have a a global fingerprinting tool that looks at all uh, IPv4 domain space every day. And, you know, has a correlation engine to like drop in an IP from a C2 address and show all of the connected infrastructure, including like backends of C2 infrastructure that's hidden behind proxies, like within a second of dropping the IP in. And, you know, 
I've watched uh, Dmitry Volkov, our CTO, um, you know, show a few examples of what we're going to be able to do with this and, you know, attributing botnet operators from just dropping in an IP address is what's going to be possible in, in this. And I think unless cyber security companies get into the attribution space a little bit more, ultimate disruption won't happen. I mean, you can kind of understand though, like why they don't want to get an attribution because it's hard. Like we just like I, I said, I like it's it's you don't think it's hard? Like you, I mean, oh, I, I said as I don't somebody, know why they don't want to get into? Oh, it. yeah, well, it yeah, hard. yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's just you know, uh, Kama used to talk about this at work about how like you would see a report or something. It's like, oh, this is totally this one group, and you're like, I don't know how they do that. Like we're like I can't. We're we weren't allowed to do it. We're just supposed to be doing the research on it. So like you look at it, like I don't have the telemetry data. I don't have anything. I don't know how to build that backend space that you're talking about, where you can pop in that IP and then all of a sudden like everything just just flows right back to you. I don't know how people that don't uh, overtly demonstrate to me that they have that sort of. Um, that telemetry or that that sort of information how how i can rely on that as being something for me to like to uh, as a reference engineer to go grab more samples from that place pull them back and go from there yeah so agreed yeah but it's it's not easy uh, but yeah, exactly it's, possible, it's not easy but right? it's possible and, it, and it's necessary you got um, in my opinion yeah i mean like you know do, doing the detection and remediation like you see so many companies doing this now, right? And they all do very good at it and some better than others. Um, you know, but but how do you get to that next space, right? Like how, how do you actually disrupt and mo most importantly, understand uh, who your adversary is on a, on a deep level and then be able to proactively, you know, look for newly created infrastructure as it's being created. Like that that's where we're going. And, and that's where I think the industry should be going rather than being re reactive to, you know, big data and yeah, machine yeah, learning yeah, yeah. and like, oh, man, let's, hey, man. let's detect this shit. Do you have a shit, Splunk like... server? Are you, are you just, you know- Are you I'm, pushing I'm, all that data to your Splunk server? If you're not, you should. Hey man, Dockerize it. And then all of a sudden stuff happens. Do you, what, what do you yeah. find to be like the most important part of like the, the whole Intel gathering thing? Like what, what piece could you not do your job without? Well, again, I'm a, I'm a sales guy, so okay. Well, um, yeah, I mean, I couldn't couldn't do my job without any of any of the analysts. Um, you know, I, I think specifically uh, for Group IB, they couldn't do their job without thoroughly understanding the threat actors because you know they've built all of their solutions based on their knowledge of of threat actors. They actually started as an IR company, right? And like for seven years they didn't have a product. They just mm -hmm. did incident response and malware reverse engineering and investigations of threat actors, right? <laughs> and then they realized like shit, this is really hard and it takes a lot of time. And you know, the analysts are backloaded and stuff. So let's just build something that makes it makes it easier. And that, that's how we started to build product at Group IB, just for the analysts to use to make that attribution and investigation and response piece mm -hmm. a little bit easier. Um, so I don't think they could do anything without the focus on uh, threat actors and, and attributional piece. You think like the, the cross, as you the buzzwordy, the cross-border collaboration, like actually mm -hmm. helps that a lot better when you're like working liaison with other companies to like, cause you might have, like, you know, it sounds like you guys have a really great product and all the data points and, and, and like the mm -hmm. conversations we've had in the past, like I could probably attest that you probably really truly do is, but like, you probably don't have, like, you don't have hundred percent of the puzzle. Right. So you need like 
someone in Interpol to like hit you, like link you up with something in like, I don't know, Belgium, because like you're seeing stuff out of there, but you can't get access to that data. And if sure. you did, boom, you know, next thing you know, you have like 90% of the puzzle to say, yeah, it's like this, you know, five different sure. people operating out of these areas. Uh, so absolutely. Like without the IR piece, like actually getting hands on some of these tools and then can like that helps us to continue the, the research. Right. And without that piece, like we're, we're flying blind, right. Or stopped at some point in the investigation. Um, you know, obviously pulling servers and things like that is huge help to get forensic images of, of those, um, you know, and we're, we're missing a large piece of the puzzle when it comes to, for example, like, okay. Um, and this is a, I don't know if I should say this on a public podcast, but you know, like we, we identified a botnet of like 2 million payment card details of us based, um, you know, citizens. And we provided that information to a sharing authority in, in the US who then provided it to um, you know, all the bank issuers and hopefully the, the law enforcement in the US. Um, you know, shout out to you guys. And if you wanna reach out, love to talk. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, you know, ultimately all of those 2 million payment cards got shut down. And if you start to look at like that other piece of the pie, we don't know what really happens then, right? Like what is the savings from those efforts? And, you know, when you bring in guys like Visa and MasterCard and American Express who are able to say, okay, you know, of these 2 million payment cards, you know, 88% were legitimate. We hadn't detected them before, um, you know, and the spend on those cards was, you know, 300 bucks or whatever it might be, then the savings can be X, Y, and Z. And, you know, this really helps to create the need for this cross-border collaboration, even during difficult times, because it shows the economical impact that it can have. And we're actually doing a really awesome initiative with uh, EC3. It's going to be a public case tomorrow. So they're going to release a, a pre press release about our, we, we joined their EC3 carding action. They call it the EC3 carding action. And we provided similar uh, data to them. And, you know, they're going to release tomorrow hopefully you guys don't release the podcast uh, before tomorrow oh no no um, no 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 <laughs> yeah it'll be like gonna, next week you can say like stuff. today so today we're releasing the so yeah. today. <laughs> or last yeah. do you remember last week <laughs> yeah so it's like over 33 million euros in savings and that Holy was from 80, that was from eighty-eight thousand cards and we supplied two million to this u.s-based organization so, you know, if, if we can open up those lines of communication a little bit more, mm -hmm. you know, that 2 million is like a scratch on the surface of oh, yeah. what we see. And what's even cooler is when we provided the 88,000 to some of the payment schemes, you know, they said that 88% of all the data we provided was unique to that of other sources they get from, you know, other vendors and things like that. And it proves to, yeah, it, I expected there to be like a lot of overlap and stuff. And, uh, you know, threat intelligence it, it, to me. Is, yeah, that tells ahead. you. I don't. I don't want to interrupt you in your flow, but like that tells you how much like shit other companies are selling, right? This like, is, let's be. Let's call it a spade a spade, right? Like, like I get it. Snake oil. I mean, there's a whole. Like, there was a whole Twitter thread of like probably like during sometime during this like pandemic. Like I would say this summer, there's a whole Twitter infosec Twitter thread about how what's the value in threat intelligence feeds. And I think the overall encompassing and someone can fact check me out there that listens this far into the podcast is that like, they're not good. 
right? How many listeners do you got? <laughs> I'm just kidding. At we least, like 1,300 downloads. 69, I'd say, Holy probably. shit, 1,500 people. Well, awesome. that's like aggregate. Oh, I mean, that's that's <laughs> aggregate. Like, that's like that's like six people just redownloaded on all their devices. <laughs> One of them's me. Well, no, it, it, it makes like a, it makes a, it makes the case, you know. And and having that piece with law enforcement and with payments card schemes, it makes it makes the business case, right? And and these companies and even sometimes law enforcement, they need to make a business case. Like, why are we doing this? Why are we devoting devoting resources to it? Um, and to your point about you know snake oil, it's like to to me, threat intelligence is it's all about the source of where you collect that information. And usually when I'm talking about different threat intelligence vendors, and there are really good ones out there, but there's usually two kinds, the ones that, you know, uh, scrape information from public or dark web forums and stuff like that. And then, you know, put it into a pretty portal. And there's many of those. And then there's people that, you know, look at threat actors, look at their infrastructure, you know, and, and collect from there. And that's us. And uh, when I heard 88%, I'm like, shit. Yeah, that's cool. Yeah, that does say a lot. That's <laughs> that's kind of ridiculous since there's you know so many other companies that do this, right? Yeah, you know, in this space that like that they're telling me that you know Visa, whoever's Visa buying is that twenty percent of it was like known, and like you're telling me like you know that says does say a lot about what you know you guys are doing over there, you know? Yeah, no, it's cool, and it makes the case. That's the biggest thing for me is that it makes the case like. You make one successful case, we can make another successful case. Like I said, that's scratching the surface of, of what we have, right? And when we provided that, they were like, uh, can we have more? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yes, yeah, yes. Yeah, um, how, how deep is that pocketbook you have? <laughs> yes, right. Uh, <laughs> Again, I, I don't A couple like zeros. Stuff, A couple so zeros. I just like give it to my my guys. I'm like, you guys can deal with this. Yeah, you can. <laughs> Do you ever see like the um, the indictments? Like the almost like the empty indictments, and you're just kind of like I don't know. That we was put a tough a, we, one, yeah. Yeah, you put it. You put a name to the face, or you put a name to the to the group, or like they show up, and I don't know. It's just it's it's kind of like dejecting to me. Like we we have this the cases sometimes. Like uh, the one in particular I'm thinking about is the one where the Chinese um, hackers hack. I'm sorry, the the Chinese. Uh, That's right. Cyber should criminals. We, should we, cyber criminals were That's indicted right. um, over here. Like uh, was that? It's like eight years ago, six, seven, six, seven, eight years ago now. And it doesn't do anything. It's just like, oh, hey, we know who you are. Uh, you're indicted in American court. And they're never coming here. They're, we're not going to get them. They're never going to go to a country <laughs> that's going to extradite them. Right? Yeah, right. Never, never say never. Never say never, boys. I, I don't know. Like, I, I think, like, as a person who respects attribution, like, okay, yeah, small chances this, uh, you know, Lazarus group is is going to be going to the U.S. Any, or Europe anytime soon. But you know, let's let's say go they go some island vacation or something like that, right? You know. Now, what's cool about those is that you see like the breakdown, the open source breakdown of like the the like the command structure of like that unit. Like that's what I like to see when someone's able that's to cool. tie all that together and be like, yeah. okay, this is what we think happens, and then here's the pieces. I think oh, I'm trying to think of a company that I saw at the DC three tech exchange that one time that talked about um oh it was, it was basically just like hey we found out that like this is basically the code shop and the code shop can like farm out all their their pieces to somebody else and then they plug and play everything else and then this group's responsible for like crypto and this one's responsible for like ip theft and that was yeah. cool to me that's what i like to see for attribution i don't i don't like to see indictments in court where like they're not well, gonna go anywhere 
I guess the flip of it, personally, it, maybe maybe it helps companies like you guys, Nick. Like, yeah, like that when those indictments came out, like the one that came out this year, wasn't I think it was the Russian uh, criminals. You know, they indicted. I, I mean, it has to like if you're watch <laughs> if you're watching those groups, right? Like, you have to probably see some type of teardown of infrastructure, right? Like, it has to probably help. You know. Uh, influence the data you all collect. I'm assuming based on what you you know, talked about, like it has to yeah, like, sure. oh, you're like, oh, well, shit, we knew that. Like we thought that was them, and now we can confirm because all of a sudden it started disappearing, right? Like, you know. Yeah. I, well, this case I told you about that we provided to the U.S. with two million payment card details. They dismantled their infrastructure, but it doesn't matter. We got the data we needed, right? And you know, now we'll take it further. Let's say, and uh, <laughs> you know, <laughs> I, I think. I think doing that, you know, piece in in the courts and stuff, it is it is important. And just what you said about the um, uh, the orchestra, uh, the um, uh, foundation and the structure of the organization, I think it sends a clear message: like, hey, motherfuckers, we know about you, right? And you know, stop it, basically, yeah, and don't travel. Do you see that um, as being like bad though? Where like you're able to like point point out that like we figured everything out? Like, do you kind of see the any sort of like flip side of the coin where if we don't publish that we know everything about you we can keep watching you and you know kind of yeah. just disrupt and degrade your your networks yeah your and, tactics and this a was better. a this was i think a learning process for for us because you know if you share something to open source um you know they're watching right um they're watching the security reports they're watching the news and all that kind of stuff and you know if you share something to public that has an open case on it, it can be very disruptive right yeah. Um, you know, we used to share a lot of uh, details, for example, about uh, about Cobalt, uh, for example, we have good reporting um, when they were when they were a financially motivated threat actor doing ATM attacks and stuff like that. Um, and we used to publish uh, about them and one of the uh, TTPs they had um, and one of the behavioral patterns they had is they always used to make the same mistakes in their SSL certificates when they created them. Uh-huh. Um, uh-huh. And we publish we published that in one of our reports and they stopped doing it, right? So yep. we lost visit we lost visibility. Um so yeah. what you publish in open space, they see for sure. Yeah. Do you also feel like when you publish an open space too, the the other the infosec side of it, the defenders and you know the red teamers and the on the good space uh might take all that data for like what it is and this is hundred percent everything that you have you know what i mean like it almost adds because you see some companies they don't publish a lot like and they like obviously because that's secret sauce anyways you're selling if you're three feeds right potentially i don't know but like i think it, know, i think it's about the future ability to track but okay all right yeah 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 so like i mean you like some people might lose that uh sort of uh you know the in, in, like us like you know I was very skeptical of, you know, all types of reporting I saw publicly. Cause you're right. You're like, well, how much is this? Is this? And like, I was, this is not all the keys that you found, right? This is just the good ones. Right. Cause we all know this is a marketing document at the end of the day. Right? We've talked about we, that before though. Like at work where like, if you, you know, just like, he, uh, just like Nick said with like the, the SSL certificates were like, you know, you had, you had something that you were keyed off of through your organizations that aren't publicly reporting. Like there's eyes on stuff. But then like if, if, you know, someone else is also looking at that and they're like, hey, this SSL cert is wrong. Here's how you can configure your firewall to catch it. Or here's what your net defender should do. And then you're like, shit, there it goes. I am. And it's a, it's a fine line. Like we, but you want to stop publish. it, right? 
Yeah, absolutely. And and we tend to publish everything in our reports. So like, don't hold anything back. Yeah. Um, and blame you. It's business, we, we actually took flack on, on Twitter <laughs> because like we, we try oh. to block, we try to block like, uh, you know, non-corporate domains from requesting our reports and stuff like that. And uh, God bless just you to keep, for to keep... taking flack on yeah. Twitter. You know, that's right. like <laughs> the biggest hellhole to, to get skewered on <laughs> in 2020. Yeah. I, I just didn't respond. I'm like, fuck, I, I'm too busy for this. Do you, do, you run, do, you run, do you run those Twitter accounts or do you have your own that people got, will fire I you do, up on? No, no, we, <laughs> mine's embarrassing. I'm not going to mention it. I just started, <laughs> I just started it last month, but I got the dopest handle. I can't believe I got it. It's a uh, uh, hunting threats. No way. No yeah, way. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I got that. I just created it last month and no one took hunting threats. I was like, fucking noobs. That's, that's mine. <laughs> <laughs> Look at you out there hunting threats. That's actually that's that's funny that your, no one's your taking profile it. picture is scary. Are you are you trying to like you're killing people? Potentially. You don't know. I'll, I'll hit you with the follow hunting threats. I like that. Yeah. That's I can't believe that that's 24 followers. Uh, 26 now. All right, look at you go. <laughs> We're gonna look at it's actually pretty surprised that no one had hunting threats. Right? I was shocked. I was that's shocked good. and delighted. That's a nice like marketing, uh, marketing and sales name too. Like that's easy. <laughs> uh, at hunting threats, uh, you know. Like, how did oh, nobody look, else get two that? new ones? Look two at new ones. <laughs> I just, that's, that's, that's David and I. Follow and back. <laughs> Follow back. Oh, that's so nice. Look at that! Once I now, by the now, way, now once, I don't have to worry about David being like, "Hey, who's this hunting threats guy?" From I do uh, that every time I, I get followed by I get like I get like two follow, like two messages from David a week, like, "Hey, who's this person?" I don't know why people want to follow. I don't. I don't write shit on here, but I will. I'll write something someday. Do you have any? Oh, do you have any other? Uh, any questions for Nick here? I had some. Um, had some like Russian. Go ahead. Discussion. Perfect times. See, the problem is. <laughs> You guys ever find uh, Ed Snowden out there? Man, I wanted to meet him in the street so bad. I would I even thought, <laughs> like, like I, I wanted to like get bump into him, me- message him directly to to see if he'd like meet up or something. No, no, I, I just leave him, leave him alone. You know, if he wants to meet me, he'll he'll talk. No, I don't think he can go anywhere. I think he's just kind of stuck there yeah. now. Yeah, you also don't want that flag I, on your back either. <laughs> no, I, I don't know. He, he's a robot. It, it, yeah, inter- interesting. I don't know. I'd I'd love to know what his life is like in Russia, though, because it's it's obviously similar to my experience. So, well, he's like a cybersecurity expert now. So, well, like, what you know, allegedly uh, expert. <laughs> but I just wonder, like, what like like is he working for somebody over there? Like, I I think that's the last I saw that he was doing something for a group in Russia. I, uh, I have no idea. I know he did some consulting early on in his visit to Russia. This is um, how terrible I am as like a person for, you know, anytime I see somebody, oh, hey, you're from Russia. You must know Ed Snowden. Oh, hey, you're from Germany. You must drink <laughs> beer out of a, a, of a boot glass. <laughs> hey, you're from Canada. Do you like curling? <laughs> I like hockey. I'm the worst person. Yeah, it's all good. Typical American. <laughs> Typical American. I'm very excited for you to get out of there, though. I mean, not, not like a bad way, but like, I'm, I'm kind of um, jealous like i'm very like yeah, just like how talked about earlier like i'm very tied to america and like my family i love to be close to my family but like there's a couple places that i would love to just like skip out on and and just go there and, and live yeah. so so congrats to you the, for getting out 
that's one of the cool things about about living here like being from nova scotia like i thought my life like was gonna be oh, in no. nova oh, scotia for forever you know like worshiping okay, Sidney I'm... crosby every day of your life and that's, <laughs> that's about it i played hockey against him when i was 16 did you really kicked, he kicked my ass then yeah. oh dude he he looked like insane at that age yeah, you play hockey did. over there in russia me yeah, yeah yeah i did i have a video of me getting into a fight it's <laughs> yeah. awesome <laughs> hey, do they, do they call them instead of like so over here they're called beer leagues in america do they call them vodka leagues in russia <laughs> i wish i wish that would be so so true no they uh they drink beer after after the game uh no they uh, like pick up leagues or something like that and, okay uh, yeah quite quite organized and competitive like they're even live streamed and stuff you know and like <laughs> Because 20 million people, right? You know, they have uh, oh, pretty, yeah. pretty good oh. organized uh, organized uh, pickup pick leagues and stuff. Well, when Vladimir so I, Putin I, can score all the goals in a game, you want to put that on TV. <laughs> yeah, that's pretty funny. Like, watching guys dive out of the way. Oh, like, oh. Go, going offensive, you know? So, like, obviously, <laughs> I, I do, I do jiu-jitsu. Like, Judo is sort of part of jiu-jitsu yeah. a little bit. I saw some video of him, like, with some, like, Japanese guys doing judo. And, like, and he's wearing like a black belt too, and like it's hard to get a black belt in judo as well. And like I'm just thinking, mm, didn't he destroy Steven Seagal in in like a mat, like a judo match or something? Yeah, and Chuck Norris right, right, right before he got his uh, Russian citizenship. <laughs> That's right, dark territory. <laughs> the second question I had is, uh, do they have white Russians in Russia, or do they just call them like white whites or something? They have just, they have white Russians. Yeah, they call yeah. them that. The, the drink, yeah. I always wondered very unoriginal yeah it is why wouldn't he call something else over there what do they i mean they don't call them french fries in france right so right i mean I'm what do they call them potatoes Frites, i think Frites? <laughs> what do they call isn't there like a canadian i like potatoes better <laughs> david obviously doesn't get out much i, I mean, don't uh, god i need to get back out that's the problem with the lockdown man you just you don't go anywhere yeah, nothing to can. do what do you but do? I mean, I mean, Netherlands. I love Netherlands. I mean, hopefully when we travel again, I'm gonna come over there. You got that's a spot. I'm, I'm, like, I'm gonna compare the Group IB office to the Facebook. You have any? Office, um, so you have any good be... um conferences out in, in the Netherlands? Uh, yeah. So we're um we have our own conference, CybercrimeCon. Um, we had a really good FSISAC conference there like a couple of years ago. Oh, nice. That was cool. Um, a really good cybersecurity community in in Netherlands as well. So. Like all the cybersecurity community will get together for uh, for beers like every month and stuff while they used to. And uh, there's also the HEG security delta there and uh, an EC3. So pretty tight-knit uh, community of security experts there. Some good companies as well. That's cool. Yeah, so it's kind of, kind of fun. I'm looking forward to, uh, to, to going there. And uh, I think it'll be a big slowdown of pace outside of work, you know. No, I don't want to. I don't want to. Yeah, I was gonna say. So, so are you gonna bike? Like, yeah. Yeah, know. you need a bike. You need a yeah, bike. Got to blend in, right? Like, yeah. yeah. I've seen like when we were over there, everybody was biking. I'll send you a picture, Nick. I'll dig it up from the pictures. There's like a along one of the canals. There must have been, I would say, 500 bikes chained up. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It was yeah, insane. Sure. Insane. I feel like a, a big giant there. Like everything's so small, and there's bikes oh, yeah, you rolling can't get around. Through, like, every, you have to like every, turn every, sideways to walk through, like. <laughs> The things are just taller. Like yeah. everybody's tall. Everybody's like six yeah. five there, right? Yeah. Super tall. No, it'll be people. fun. It'll be fun. You guys so, are welcome to come. Oh, I would. Very I would mo- love the visit. Office. It's like you know maybe tw- space for thirty people kind of thing. I think. I think we'll have to outgrow that space pretty soon. 
it was kind of stupid. already like, yeah well that's good. hey good I for you guys though man that's awesome yeah. Yeah, we'll, we'll see. how many yeah, analysts we'll... do we have there i know i mean i know roberto's coming right yeah yeah roberto's coming uh rustam i don't know if you know him or not he's one of the coolest guys at, at group ib he's one of the, he used to be the head reverse engineer um but really one of the best analysts i've ever seen um we also have an incident response guy there uh russian guy as well like so chill uh he actually went to my condo uh yesterday and uh, i got some furniture delivered there and he's like i'll go you know meet whatever and he's so chill under fire. Like I, every incident response I've been on with him, like the walls could be burning down and he's just like, mm -hmm. like next step, here we it's go, fine. next step. Yeah, <laughs> and uh, the delivery driver for the furniture showed up and I didn't fucking know anything about getting furniture delivered. They said they deliver and set it up. I'm like, all right, no problem. I was like, just go there, they'll deliver and set it up. And they tried to deliver the furniture. It wouldn't fit up the stairwell in the Netherlands because the houses are really tiny, right? Yep. And uh, <laughs> it turns out you need some sort of like truck to lift up furniture to the to the to the window. So you deliver it through the window. And they were like, <laughs> "Yeah, you don't ha you don't have this fucking truck, so we're just gonna leave it on the side of the road." <laughs> so he's sitting on the side of the road for like two hours trying to phone these companies to get a truck to, to deliver it. Super chill. Yeah, and then uh, we're, we're going to hire uh, probably a few more CTI analysts for this for this year. We, we do like April uh, April to March financial years. So we'll, you, we'll hire a couple, couple are more Are you guys going to start working like more in the uh, the remote job sector or are you trying to get people on site? Um, I, I would say like we have a, a global development strategy that I put together. So like when we get a certain amount of customers in each region, we'll launch a nano office, we call it. Ooh. So we'll have like... A consultant yeah. and a cti analyst and an incident response analyst so that helps with like all this remote home shit because like other vendors have to fly in to do incident response or whatever if they don't have someone locally um and then you know that really helps us to to support customers and partners and stuff and then uh we'll have full offices as well where we bring in like network uh, security engineers fraud analysts and uh, CTI, more cti and stuff like that so well, yeah, your, uh, I, your, your uh, friends over at NCFTA used to rent out space in uh, their uh, joint offices. So keep that in mind. I know some uh, other Dell Secure Works used to rent out space there, you know, for like six people and stuff like that. So duly noted. Yeah, yeah. I, I'd love to become closer friends with them. Absolutely. Thank you for the intro, by the way. Oh, I mean, yeah, absolutely. <laughs> I was peeing my pants meeting them like they're like the <laughs> Shaquille O'Neal of like the cybersecurity industry. I was like, oh, these guys are badass and they were badass that's like, good man very very cool like comparing them to other you know agencies that that we work with really cool like from analytical capabilities to proper you know organizational skill sets and uh, collaboration with law enforcement i hope to be working with them very closely that would be cool if anybody you're gonna work with the states like that it should it should be them uh, for 100 percent. i, I, mean, I would they... not want to work with anyone else they're cool they made it so easy yeah, I mean that's the point. Like they are very like easygoing. Like their management structure is great. Like from like the analyst level up to manager level. Like I was like, man. So. You know what I loved about them? Like, of course I got a warm intro from you, and and that obviously helped a lot. But like, of course they asked the question, an obvious elephant in the room, right? But like after that, it was all about collaboration and how do we disrupt this? Like how do we disrupt this activity? And that's the kind of organizational mindset that gets shit done. That's yeah. cool. I, I was impressed. Great down yeah, to brass tacks. Yeah, I mean, I think I think your, your global office as an outsider, third party, on a, you know, unsolicited opinion, like the global presence is going to help the whole like 
Russian nomenclature like sort of you know, dissipate, I would assume, right? That's the point. Yeah, yeah I, I sure hope so. I mean, like in the in the US, or sorry, in the US, in uh, Europe and Middle East and Africa and, and the APAC markets, like really solid reputation, but you know, it, it'll take some work to, to do in the US, like, but I'm willing to put that in, right? I've, I've been plugging around for seven years, drive, driving this, right? And, you know, I'm not going to stop for a few no's or a few you're Russians or whatever, right? Like, uh-huh. uh, yeah. if you stop, if you stop there, then yeah. nothing, nothing happens, no disruption, no, you know, so yeah. like I said, at the beginning, if you want something, get out there and fucking do it. And that's yeah. what I'm gonna do. Yeah, more, more good answers. Like this, this, uh, this has been very, I don't know, motivating. It's been very motivating. <laughs> it is. Been... It's a good podcast going into like a few days before I start my new job. <laughs> yeah. So you're yes. still unemployed, right? Still <laughs> fun employed. It's you... called fun employed. Lots <laughs> no, of call call employment. Lots of yeah, Call man, of Duty, <laughs> jujitsu, drinking, and like that's about it. <laughs> If any, my, wife likes to, my wife likes to joke with like, oh, so what are you doing today? I'm like, oh, I'm probably going to play Call of Duty at least four hours today. <laughs> I'm going to spread it out, but I'm going to at least play four hours worth. Did you get the new PS5? No, I have a PS4 that I've like up until like the last week, I put maybe like four hours on because I wasn't a big, big video game junkie. And then I was like, I had a buddy I, do, I trained with that did, you know, plays Call of Duty. He's like, oh, jump on with me. I'll, we'll play like while you're on like unemployment. And I'm like, sounds like good. And next thing you know, I'm hooked, so. <laughs> Yeah, it's addictive. Absolutely. No, that's cool, man. I'm, I'm looking forward to seeing what you guys can do in, in the OT space. Really sexy company. They're doing yeah, good Yeah, I mean, that was that was the point going. You know, I got a spoiler alert. I'm going to Dragos. Sorry. No, I mean, I've already mentioned that like, I was Uh-oh. going. But yeah, I mean, if someone's listening, you know, that's where Hold I'm going. Hold on. You mentioned that you were leaving. I don't think you said where you were going. Well, I think it's some people knew. I never mentioned on the podcast. Well, I mean, we you know all of our three listeners need to. Yeah, both takedowns. Bone up on. Yeah, it's Kyle. exciting. I'm a, it's a great team. Uh, it was in, uh, a great company, and like I'm really. Are you gonna be based? Remote. Yeah. Uh, you'll be remote. Yeah, and it's very cool. Yeah, they're all the threat intel teams all remote. Actually, um, they're based out of like you know in Maryland area, Hanover, you know, outside of Baltimore. But once we're able to travel again, like apparently my team meets up a couple times a year. There's company wide meetups and things like that. And like they're big and they're involved in the ICS village, right? And all the other, you know, other bigger cons and stuff like that. So yeah, I'm looking forward to it. And it's just a great team. It's it's like you said, like the, the teams underneath you. And like that was what the biggest, you know, thing exciting thing too is the, you know, if it was more than David and I and we had it was just two now i'm working you know with like eight people but you know actually like 20 people to fight the battle right versus david and i trudging through the zombie trenches zombie trenches man zombie trenches talking about like what? call of duty zombos or- no <laughs> i haven't played that oh yet my, i need to oh my lord i can't even talk so i had so i had oatmeal and coffee for breakfast and i said zombos um yeah zombos. you can play the call, call of duty zombies oh man ps5 uh, is still in a box by the way yeah, this sitting, guy. This guy got a PS5 door. after release, and he's sitting in a box. Sitting at the front door in the same box it was delivered in eh, 14 days ago. You're gonna have to get employed. <laughs> <laughs> Put in some work. Following Big Daddy's footsteps over yeah, there. Yes, right. Big, Big Daddy. That's right. I need to get producer Jimmy to set up my PS5. Jimmy, PS5. Hey! <laughs> Unbox that thing. <laughs> Like Your yelling kids in my are upstairs. Your kids are going to go upstairs and be like, Dad, what do you want? Like, what are you yelling about? They're like, hey, are we playing Fortnite now? Is it time to play Fortnite? Yeah. Yeah, well, yes, Nick, it's, it is. It's, 
Nick, it's been great having you on. I really appreciate you taking time out of your day and stuff. It's been fun. Yeah, man. Good to catch up with you, David. Good to meet you. Very nice to meet you. Uh, I appreciate all of your time that you spent and your, uh, uh, dropping your knowledge on the game out from Moscow for the next four days. For the next four days. But uh, I'll, I'll tag you on. I'll tag. We'll hopefully expand your Twitter following. Hunting threats. Threats. That's right. If anyone wants the handle, I will sell it to you. <laughs> <laughs> hey, you should go into sales. <laughs> <laughs> Swish. Uh, but I also I also put it on LinkedIn for those that are following as well. And but uh, yeah, as with all our empty glasses and all that stuff, uh, everybody stay thirsty, folks. Cheers. Cheers, boys.